Good morning and welcome to Faith FM. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 FM. You are here with Mon and Lil Lawson, who doesn't like it when I do on top of his Wow, you continue to do it anyway, aren't you a great friend? We're not friends, honey, we're colleagues. No, I'm kidding. Ouch, ouch. Crash and burn so early in the morning. Welcome along to the Faith FM Breakfast Show. We are, of course, filling in here for Lyle. Um, well, Lawson is, bless his little yeah. Lyle is. I'm the, I'm the ring in. He, yeah, he's the ring in. You're a great ring in. We love it. Um, he, Lyle is down in Melbourne, south of the border in Mexico. Uh, he's preaching down there, preaching a campaign. Um, he'll be back on Monday morning. And in the meantime, we're going to enjoy ourselves while the cat's away. We're going to play, aren't we? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Lyle did, uh, Lyle, you will hear Lyle on the show later today. We do um, have the pre-recorded part two of the interview with Barry Harker that he mm-hmm. did uh, earlier this week. So there'll be playing throughout interview, interview section. So you'll still hear Lyle's dulcet tones coming through. <laughs> but for the meantime... <laughs> what, what an you, impression. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Impressive. Yeah, so what are you grateful for this morning, Lawson? Oh, man, I'm just so thankful for, for godly fellowship and and the way that, I don't know, I've, I've got lots of people in my life who are just really great and support me in my walk. And last night, night I was spending um, some time with the, the pastor that I work for and his wife. And it was just, it was just awesome. Yeah, you know, I've always said one of the best parts about being a Christian and the Christian walk is, um, is the, is the church family and the fellowship that God blesses you with. Like, it's mm. really one of the sweetest parts of the experience. And like, it's just the, assi- the, 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 uh, the support that I've received mm. since becoming a Christian has just been a mind-blowingly wonderful. And I'm very, do you know what? I'm going to be grateful for something, pretty much the same thing. It actually reminded me just over Christmas, uh, as most of you will know, I did go to Tasmania to visit my parents and my parents are a part of the Margate church family mm. down there in Tas. And, uh, <laughs> did, did you know, I get this right. So I don't know who, but one of the members at Margate Church there. Oh, by the way, hello to our Margate listeners. Cause some of them come up to me during lunch. They said they listened to the show. So good day, Margate listeners. Uh, but someone, someone in the congregation is actually allergic to perfume. Mm-hmm. And so as a church, they've just decided together, we're all just going to stop wearing perfume on Sabbath. So no one Dude. wears perfume to church. Isn't awesome. that great? And every time I would go to visit on Sabbath morning as I'm getting ready, getting dressed for church, my mum will come in and just, you know, just, oh, don't forget, don't wear any perfume. <laughs> and it's just, just so nice the way oh, they wow. look after each other. Isn't that just the sweetest thing? An mm. entire church just goes, yep, we are going fragrance free for one person. I just, I love it. Awesome. I love it. Good on you, Margate. That's what, that's what church is all about. Church spirit mm. right there. Yeah. Looking after each other. Anyway, we have a fabulous show coming up for you today. You are, of course, on the delayed uh, broadcast, but don't worry, the show is still good. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you'd like to jump across to the live show, download the TuneIn app or go faithfm.com.au. But in the meantime, stay tuned. It's kicking off right now.
Back to the show. You are, of course, listening to Breakfast on Show on Faith FM. <laughs> Wait, Dude, it is early in the morning. <laughs> it is man. early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> You're here with Lyle. Oh, sorry, getting <laughs> from bad to worse. It's really early. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mon and Lawson this morning. Lawson filling in for Lyle. Thank you, Lawson. And uh, this morning we're going to kick off trying to get our brains into gear with the Breakfast Bible Quiz. Clearly, I need to do a couple of these to wake my brain up. Mm. So this morning it's a what creature am I quiz? Oof, okay, mm, what creature? Here we, here we go. This is the first clue. The prodigal's son. Sorry, wait, scratch that. The prodigal's brother in uh-huh. Luke fifteen complained that his father had never given him this animal so that he could celebrate with his friends. So the prodigal's brother complained that he was never given this so he could celebrate with his friends. And uh, Lawson has it correct. He's just written it down. Um, and if you know the answer, if you know what animal that is, give us a call now. Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text 0491-064-669. Today's prize is just huge. There's three oof, in one prize. Oof. You get two study guides. And a Bible. So, Amazing. As, as our listeners know, we do our 20 million movement Bible uh, encounter with God Bible study every day on the show. And uh, and we follow the study guide that 20 million other people around the world are using. And uh, we've just finished one about the theme of unity. Uh, people actually really enjoyed the unity one. It was on, uh, it's called Oneness in Christ, the study guide. And we have our two study guides that Lyle and I used throughout um, that study. And we have a hardcover, uh, New International Version, uh, Holy Bible. It is got Bible study references, uh, sorry, resources in it as well. It's hardcover. It's like a, I want to say like almost like an alligator kind of, um, I don't know if it's real leather, but it's got that kind of skin looking on it. So it's hardcover, blue, beautiful blue mm-hmm. with a, a little red, um, what do you call these things? Page marker? Pa- uh, yeah, Page holder? A, a bookmark. Book, yeah, bookmark. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's early. <laughs> it's early. Forgive us. Yeah, so if you know the answer to the quiz and you would like to win our three-pack our three pack prize this morning, uh, you can get all three of them sent to you for free as long as you call us up and tell us the right answer. The number, of course, 1-800-FAITH-FM. Oh. Lawson. What's I was lying in bed this morning, right? And I was thinking, wait, hang on. Why is that making noise? Oh, here we go. Sorry, I can hear my own voice coming out of my phone. I'm like, what? 
Anyway, I was lying in bed this morning and I was thinking about the fact that I keep talking about 3D printing mm. on Faith FM Breakfast Show. Wow. Yeah. And I was thinking how funny it's going to be because, like, you know, fast forward, what, 20, 30, or probably even that, maybe like just 10 years, fast forward 10 years, it's going to be such a normal thing to us. And we're going to laugh at ourselves at how amazed we were when 3D printers first came around and how every time they printed something new, we talked about it on the news, you know. Um, And I was thinking maybe I should just stop talking about 3D printing for a while. But then... Here we go. Here we go. Then this new one's come out about something they've printed. And I thought, do you know what? Lawson would really love this one. And so I'm going to tell you some good news about some of the advances they're making in science using 3D printers Mm. because I think you're going to like it. Okay. They have now 3D printed the world's first electric motorbike that even comes with airless tires. Wow. Are you impressed? I'm. I'm actually. I'm really. Impressed For those of you who that. don't know, I told Lawson because Lawson used to be in professional motorbike racing. But what what I want to know is that the engine and the internals of the engine was were they also printed as well? Well, let me just read this to you. Yeah. How did you think? Do you think that bike looks cool? I looked at. I showed you a picture of the bike. Oh, dude, the, it looks like the future. It yeah, it's like Tron. Basically, it looks like a mini. Tron. The wheels look like honeycomb. Like I'm, I'm I was, <laughs> I was like oh, airless tires. Mm. I would love some airless tires because my my tire popped yesterday. Yeah. on the M15 doing 110 k's per hour. Oh man! Bang! Tire went. Yes, I'd I'd love some airless tires. So this is from Germany. Um, there's a German company called Big Rep. So this is their prototype, world's first fully 3D printed electrical bike. So it's called the the Nera, uh-huh. N-E-R-A, E-motorbike. Um, it only weighs 60 kilos. That's That's, that's literally less than what I weigh. For an electric motorcycle, that is really decent because that's one of the biggest technical limitations that they have is that the motor, an electric motor is heavy. It's yeah. heavier than a combustion engine. Well, it says here that all of the bike's components, including the electronics including the electronics, were okay. 3D printed in a lab. That includes the flexible, 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 goodness, flexible bumpers, seat, chest rest, steering mechanisms, and even the airless tires, wow. which can be um, designed using customizable treads. Wow. How cool is that? you got custom Man, treads. That's like, that kind of freaks me out because like tires on a motorcycle are one of the most important things and they're made out of rubber, like, for a reason and that you know tires are always kept in until they're actually put on the on the car or the bike they're like you know handcrafted and specifically made to go on a bike because it's like if you have bad tires then you die like it doesn't matter how good your bike is or whatever like if you have shot tires then it's like you're <laughs> you're gone yeah but then they're like yeah we just 3d printed the tires i'm like oh man that's kind of scary right? <laughs> it doesn't say how quickly it does but i, I mean okay. f- from the other from the other um 3d printing advances that we've read about mm-hmm. 3d printing is actually a really quick process so i'm guessing like it's really quick this is the thing is like is this process of 3d printing like imagine the size and the you know the, the expense of the 3d printer that's going to have to well that's the, that's the is, thing is it right? be a viable thing to make a commercial business that's what i mean i mean obviously one they said when they when they were designed and made this uh this motorbike prototype they did say that one of their goals was to have a more green or greener way of uh, creating transport and of you know like having a motor transport because you know being airless tires and blah 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 mm-hmm. it's uh, it's all very eco-friendly mm-hmm. but yeah i was thinking about the same thing be- i mean 
you can you know realize you realize a couple of weeks ago Aldi was selling 3D printers for 300 bucks. Yeah. But obviously that probably wouldn't print a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. It probably print like a pencil or something. Or a fake you pencil. know like a chess piece or something. Yeah, like yeah, exactly, yeah. chess piece. Perfect. But I was wondering like exactly how what is it they're sticking like, obviously they're not using ink like a like a usual printer or toner like a you know uh, printers that we have here in the offices. Mm-hmm. So what is it they're sticking in the printer? And surely that would have taken a considerable amount of refinement of whatever substance it is, yeah. which couldn't possibly be all that great for the environment. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the construction and the function and the maintenance of the 3D printer itself. Okay, I feel like it's like a whole one step forward, two steps back. And yeah. we, no one's talked about the actual printing machines themselves. We've already been talking about how great what you know the products that they mm. print are. So I'm waiting. I reckon it's going to be a little bit longer, and then we'll suddenly hear all this news about how terrible 3D printers actually are. Yeah, I, I think it's similar to the to the you know the the uh, the revolution of the computer. Like when computers started to first become a thing in the 60s and 70s, and people were saying, "Oh, look what we can do with computers," and they didn't mention how power hungry and how much you know how massive computers were and and whatnot to get the results that they were getting. And I feel Mm -hmm. like we're in the same place with the 3D printers. Like, they're not actually... They haven't stepped into the realm of affordability and practicality. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. Like a 3D printer that can print a chess piece or Uh something is going to be $300 at Aldi. I remember when I was going to school in 2011, like we had a 3D printer at school that made chess pieces and pencils and stuff but yeah it's just the viability of it that if anyone knows anything about how big or how destructive these printers are give us a call let us know (laughs) i imagine pretty like like you just said probably like the early computer is probably the size of a room i have some one more piece of good news that i really 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 want to share with you galapagos islands have you been to galapagos islands no where is that so it's it's um Galapagos. Yeah, in the Galapagos. <laughs> <laughs> but they're actually synonymous with iguanas, which is funny because they haven't been seen there um, uh, for almost 200 years. Because, wow. Yeah. And uh, it's they've been on the region. They're actually last seen by Darwin, Charles Darwin, mm. um, 184 years ago. Get this. They've successfully reintroduced um Iguanas to Galapagos Islands. Epic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, man. This is so cool. Um, so, that were last year, I said almost 200 years ago, they have an intensive park restoration project. Um, it's been slowly reintroduced to its natural habitat once more. Um, unfortunately, the last uh, land iguana was wiped out from the island due to invasive predators such as feral uh, pigs, rats, and dogs preying on their mm-hmm. eggs. Um and uh, but they did so careful conservation measures, and re- they removed these invasive species, which is one of my, I, I love that sort of approach to to um, taking care of uh, the ecosystem. Is like if you have one that's in there that's not supposed to be in there, just take it out, like just hunt it down and take it out. <laughs> I don't like it when they sort take of introduce another species to take care of another introduced species, yeah. and then you get a bigger problem. Oh no! You just got to yeah, yeah. For me, it's like the worst. It's like it's like slowly ripping off a van. You just need to get in there, rip it out. Anyway. They've managed to transfer um, 1,436 iguanas um, to Santi- uh, Santiago Island, and they're all happily living there. Isn't that wonderful? Finally making some progress in the ecosystems. Man of
that was Abby Eaton with Man of Sorrows. Beautiful song there. Mm. It was pretty beautiful until Lawson tried to sing it. And then it oh, wow. <laughs> no, I'm wow. Kidding. I'm kidding. I love it when you sing. Lawson's always singing in between songs here. <laughs> and by the way, shout out. We, we, we play sometimes um, some songs by Malvinas, who, yeah, I, we who do. I personally know. And they're like, they're just bangers. And I'm just like, every time we play them, I'm up. Dancing and clicking my fingers and just getting into it because it's yeah. Mal- Malvinas does a good job. We love playing her music on her songs on here, and we've interviewed her before. And her husband, Pastor Blake, who you yeah. referenced before, yeah, beautiful couple. I uh, interviewed them both on Faith FM previously. Might have to get them in again. Interview yeah. them again. Yeah, they got so many good stories. They have wonderful testimonies to mm. share. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Anyway, uh, Lawson, I was going to give you a second clue for our quiz. Even though I didn't need it because I already knew the answer. You, you knew the answer, <laughs> but it turns out. So did some of our listeners. In fact, we had a bit of a flurry of phone calls, people trying to call in to win that prize, and it has been snapped up. Congratulations, Brenda from South Australia. Oh, she answered correctly. Uh, there was a What Creature Am I quiz, and the answer was a goat. There's many mm. different words for a goat, kid, you know, different different names, but yeah, it was basically a goat. And, uh, and Brenda has won herself the two study guides uh, about oneness in Christ and the hardcover NIV study Bible. Man, that's awesome. I- I'm so impressed that yeah. we have listeners who Multiple are listeners. so far away yeah. from us. Yeah. Like, we're here in Newcastle hosting Oh, you're the impressed show, by their distance. And I'm like, there's, there's people in South Australia listening to our I, show. I so thought you were going to say- clues up. I thought you were going to say that you were impressed by, by what great Bible students we have listening to this show who oh, yeah, know that, their, that, know that their Bible quiz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Lawson, what is happening around the world today? Man, there is some wild stuff happening. Um, the first piece of news I'm going to talk about comes right from right right here in Australia. Um, something that, that's come up in the last day. Um, okay. And it's it's essentially the most – I see it as like the, the most the most ridiculous form of, of terrorism ever. But here, here we go. Check this out. Suspicious packages have been delivered to the British consulate and other embassies in Melbourne and Canberra. Oh, my. Um, The Foreign Office said Australian Federal Police are dealing with a report of a suspicious package at the, you know, British consulate, Mm -hmm. um, consulate general in Melbourne. Um, But these suspicious packages have also been sent to the United States consulate, the Germany consulate, the India consulate, um, you know, the New Zealand consulate. Uh, the Korean consulate, the Greek consulate, the Egyptian consulate, and finally the Swiss, the Swiss consulate in Melbourne. Um, but also, there are there are some embassies in the Australian Capital Territory that also talked about receiving suspicious packages. And I just think that that is like sending an anonymous anonymous suspicious package and they've you know um, some of these con- have they opened them? Do they know what's yeah, inside so them. Some of these consulates. Um, were evacuated mm-hmm. and there's no there's been no um you know i think it's 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 been undisclosed at the moment what's exactly in the package but they're saying that it it is hazardous material um at oh, 16 no. of the sites and i'm just like man that is Praise the so, Lord they caught that, though. Oh, yeah. I, I, and I, I've always... I don't know this sounds a bit silly, but I've always wanted to know how on earth do you identify a suspicious package? Like, does it look a little shadier than the other yeah. packages? Like, what, I guess they have to be trained to pick a package in a package mm. lineup because, to me, packages all look basically the same. Yeah. Well, I think you have to know, like, oh, were we expecting this package? Is 
this package coming from someone that we usually receive packages. But that's from. the thing, like, like I sometimes send my friends surprise cookies in the mail, right? That's an unexpected package. It doesn't necessarily make it suspicious. Yeah, but does it say Monica on the on the top? It might just have my initials on the back. Okay, well, but anyone can write that. Like, yeah, true. Uh, 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 anyway, I think but, we're getting no, sidetracked. No, Go on. Um, no, it's true. I, th- I just think it, I think it's wild, like sending an uh, an anonymous, suspicious package to an embassy to try and get across your message of of terrorism. Like, I just, uh, you know, it's a bonehead web. It is so stupid. Yeah. And I, I see a lot of these efforts that people make, you know, when it comes to social revolutions, when they step into the terrorist realm. It's just, it's just silly. It is just silly. It's just ridiculous. And so much more can be done with words and with figures and with, you know, actually standing up um, and talking about your particular point of you. But I think it's just- Yeah, I'd much rather they just host a protest. Oh, 100%. Just get on the street, get a microphone, stand in a soapbox, say what you're going to say. Don't be sending sus packages. An- yeah. Anonymous packages that are suspicious to like- All that's going to random- do is make people hate you. Yeah. But he, but they don't even know who they are. So it's like all that's going to do is make people confused. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I, it's just just ridiculous. And I think it really rings true to the words in, in Matthew 24. Um, when when Jesus is talking about the different signs of the times, he, he talks about how there will be wars, but also rumors of wars. And there will be the, these rumors of wars will be becoming more... And more prevalent as we get into the end time, and we're and we're looking now, you know, at a time which, which um, it is easy to make the logical conclusion that hey, we're living in the end times, and Very much we'll so. probably talk about that in our Bible study mm-hmm. later on in the show. But it's like we're living in this time where there's more prevalent rumors of wars, and we can see that that we're we're living in amidst the the war on terror, which started in the in the early two thousands, and it's just. You know, the, these wars of, of rumors and ideas and, and random acts of violence and, and terror to get some message across. Like, oh, it's just, even though it's it's logically the most ridiculous thing ever, it's happening because the Bible said it would happen. I think that's just, it's just interesting and it's crazy. And I'm Wait, do you think it's, it's happening because the Bible said it would happen or it's happening and the Bible just told us it was going to happen? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's not a command from God. It's not, yeah, yeah. thus mm-hmm. saith the Lord, thou must go at it and, and uh-huh, be terrorist. Uh-huh. Um, no, it's, it's happening. The, the Bible predicts. The Bible predicts. Like, it's like, hey, these things are going to be happening in the future. The Bible gives us a head up, heads up, basically. Yeah. yeah. And, and we're seeing that, man these things are happening in the future. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. I, you know what? I, I, I'm like, praise the Lord for Bible prophecy because of the way it strengthens my faith. When I see these terrible things happen and I just have to go and look back at a Matthew 24 um, or, you know, various chapters in Revelation, and I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, we're right on track. Yeah. <laughs> right on track yeah. to the end of time. It gives <laughs> you, it's almost like a calming effect when you when you realize the Bible said, hey, don't stress this stuff is going to happen. Just stay close to Jesus. You're like, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, it is. It does have a calming effect, man. Yeah, praise the Lord. But uh, my next story that I just want to briefly touch on is probably one of the most shocking things that I've seen in recent times. News has been reporting this. Um, this is something that came up yesterday. Essentially, um, a comatose patient in a long-term care facility mm-hmm. has just given birth. What? Okay, so this woman, she's been in a long-term care facility um, 
in a vegetative state for the, the for the last ten years, and in the last nine months she's fallen pregnant and given birth. It, like and she's like in a coma, like she's state. In a unconscious coma. this she's whole time, and she got oh no, oh yeah. So this has been a ginormous, That's disgraceful, just scandal. Is this in Australia? No, no, no. So this this comes from um, Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. Um, in the states, and this is just really, you know, it's you know, it's getting to news That's in Australia. Very this is a headline in Australia, yeah. but. Yeah, you know, it's just really rattled the people, and it's rattled this care oh, facility. Oh, as they would. Just, I mean, clearly she's been raped. Yeah, which yeah. is man, he's just the single most depraved and disgusting do they, thing. Do they not have um, surveillance? Well, you can imagine, you know, in someone in, in the rooms, you would be. Well, it's either a patient or it's a staff member. Yeah. Well, it has to be. But you got to imagine. Like, but if they're the, all in vegetative states. Yeah. Because that, that's what well, I'm it's thinking. It's either a I'm staff like, or it's a visitor, someone yeah. who visits another patient. This is what I'm thinking. Like, if, if you know, because you got to think about the, the privacy that they've got to give each page, patient. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, oh, they're in vegetative states. So, they could probably relinquish that privacy for, yeah. the, for the point of safety. Mm-hmm. But it's just. Uh, it, it is just but if you have like wild. 10 vegetative people in one room it doesn't really matter what you do they're all yeah. unconscious right yeah so that's disgraceful <sighs> oh man the, the human condition has just so sunk like this is exactly who we were, who we are when we don't let Jesus rule our hearts 100 this is who we become and we let Satan take hold that's just revolting well the uh, the the owner um, sorry not the owner but the the manager mm-hmm. of this care facility um actually stepped down because of this he was like look it, it's just been so disgraceful and it's just blown up so much that he stepped down um and the you know the board of this care facility was like yeah we, you know we how old is that. this woman um she's she's roughly in her she's she's 29 years old Oh, and she's so, been in a vegetative for ten years. Yeah, ten years. So since she's not been, since she was nineteen. Do they years think old. she's coming back? She's gonna have a bit of a shock when she wakes up, Man. and she's you oh. know, almost thirty and has a child. Well, yeah, this is this is the thing. I think the imagine waking. Firstly, imagine waking up in that state. But I think you know, I'm gonna ask the question: like, what is the best thing to happen? Of course, anyone who's in that kind of vegetative coma comatose stay you know the reason we have care facilities is because we want them to wake up yeah but and we want to keep them safe yeah but it's like man that's gonna be a shock and <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be a rough rough gig um i i, I i'm sorry i'm so disgusted by this story it's, it's so revolting it really stressed me out i was yeah i was looking through news last night and i was like oh, what am, but, what oh, how come we've only about? heard about this now she's been pregnant for nine months like now that she's given birth yeah i think that's uh, honestly, it's probably been a keep under wraps job until until now. Kind of hard to keep a baby under wraps. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, yeah. Until well, do you know what? I hope the baby is a healthy little. Well, apparently it is. Okay, the good. baby's a hundred percent healthy. Um, you know, in health, no. I guess the question problems. now is: Are you going to tell that kid who his parents are yeah. and how he came into being? Because that's going to be a very, very hard, <laughs> hard story to carry through through your life as a kid. Oh, mm. oh, man. You just feel, you just feel, it's like every single part of this story, there isn't an upside. Like, yes, life is, you know, is is now living and, you know, it's a healthy baby, but it's like, man, everything else is just a downside and a terrible situation. And I just, I just hope that this is going to inspire in, you know, the long-term care facility sort of 
health sector this is going to inspire more strict regulations on on those kinds of things because it just it just is disgusting and terrible and i just yeah really hope that we can step out of this as the human race and yeah. go into a better place Oh, man. Okay, wow. well, I think we might have to leave that story there before we all get really sick to the stomach. But this is Melissa Otto with the beautiful song. He doesn't fill me like he's supposed to fill me. Something is missing, my heart is still aching. He doesn't fill me like he's supposed to fill me. Something is missing, my heart is still aching. She said I had enough What is this all about? She said I'm giving up Nothing's worth living for is 
still aching She doesn't feel me like she's supposed to feel me Something is missing, my heart is still aching Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia. We're continuing in our series with Dr. Barry Harker, uh, looking at the issues of religious liberty, particularly in a historical context, both modern history and um, medieval history, past history. We, In our last section, we talked about the concept of freedom over equality or equality over freedom. We talked about the American Revolution versus the French Revolution. And, of course, uh, we noted that the American Revolution placed freedom over equality and the French Revolution placed equality over freedom. And then, you know, we also uh, discussed how that affected religious liberty um, and how that, you know, the French Revolution, of course, gave birth to modern-day communism and, you know, the results of that. Now, one of the things that I wanted to um, delve into a little bit today, uh, Barry, was um, the, the concept of democratic government. Now, we all support, you know, a democratic government. We all want to, you know, to have our say in how the government works. Is there an, is there an inherent weakness in the democratic process, you know, majority rule? Well, if you look at uh, ancient Greece, for example, they had democracies. They were direct democracies, not representative ones like we live in today. Um, but they didn't last very long because they essentially broke down. And so you had this cycle um, where you would have um, an autocracy or rule by a few, like an oligarchy. And so you had um, no democracy that lasted very long. So while it was uh, an ancient Greek concept, when it's come down to us in the modern period, and we're only talking 18th century onward, by the way, democracy really is a historical aberration. Most people throughout human history, recorded human history, have lived under theocracies or autocracies. And so when, we, when we're talking about democracy today, we have to see that it's not inevitable Mm-hmm. It's an historical aberration. And so democracy is not something that's just necessarily going to remain. For example, have a look at uh, the 1920s. You had the Weimar Republic after the First World War. The Weimar Republic uh, was established. Um, there was no more... Um, oh, what's the, the German? Kaiser. No, <laughs> the Kaiser. no more Kaiser. No, yeah. no more Kaiser. Which is and, another word for Caesar. Yeah, yeah. No more Caesar. So there's no more king, essentially, in, mm-hmm. in Germany. So they have a democracy... It only lasted about 15 years, and then it broke down. You had Hitler voted in as chancellor, um, and then next minute he's the dictator. So democracies can break down. Yeah, so we, we live in Australia where we live under the assumption that for the next however many thousand years we're going to be under a democracy here in Australia, but that's actually not a historical model that's going to hold up. No, history tells us that you have to take particular care to maintain democracy or it can be eroded very quickly. Same thing happened in Italy, essentially, in the 1920s and 30s. So democracy is not necessarily a given. And it's worth mentioning as well that, you know, the German people and the Italian people, this is not some um, less developed nation, you know, that's sort of struggling to come out of a tribal existence. These are... 
you know, <laughs> these are the most developed nations on the, on, on the planet. Germany was in some ways the most developed nation in the world, particularly with um, the universities, their economic system, um, their production system, their level of industrialization, the resources that they had at their, their disposal. They were late to the Industrial Revolution, but when they came to it, they came with a real punch. Mm. There was a reason why they were twice able to take on the whole world. Yes. Um, and so when we look at the issue of democracy, Hitler felt that the democracies were weak and could be overcome, that they didn't have the will like he brought to the, you know, that sort of will. Um, and he wanted to develop the people to the point where they would also adopt his ideas. It's a, a bit like Rousseau's general will, where you sort of morph all the people together into one single will, where, the, where it's a, a united national will to impose its will upon the rest of the world uh, and to get what they thought was their due. So the democracy issue is one that we need to treat very carefully because historically uh, it's not been very robust, even today, even though we have something like 120 democracies throughout the world. It's not, it's not universal. And it's certainly under threat. That's what 2018 is telling us, that the democracies are under threat. So uh, when I was um, researching in 2017, the concept of illiberal democracy was on the horizon. But it's really come into sharp focus in 2018. Now, an illiberal democracy is one in which you have the rule by the majority but that you either ignore or don't have constitutional protections for minorities, including religious minorities. And so if you look at uh, a liberal democracy in uh, the sense that it's normally understood across the Western world, a liberal democracy sort of goes back to John Locke. Um, you have freedom of speech, you have freedom of association, freedom of religion, you have private property, rule of law, parliamentary parliamentary decisions, uh, like a representative form of democracy. So this is what we know in Australia. This is what you would see in the United States or Canada, New Zealand, Australia, Britain, and so forth. And what would, what what would be some countries. examples of illiberal democracy? An, illi an illiberal democracy would be, for example... Um, what's been happening in Hungary, for example, in the last um, little while, where some of, the, um, some of the terrible things of the past are starting to re-emerge, like anti-Semitism, for example. So you persecute or oppress that minority. Um, if you have constitutional protections, then you either ignore them um, or, you, or you just simply... Um, you apply them, it apply them inconsistently. Um, so the whole the whole idea of illiberal is you still have rule by the majority, but you have you, no, no protection for the minority. No protection for the minorities. And so what we're starting to see in places like Hungary and Poland is exactly this: illiberal democracies, um, and that's associated with two things. One is um, cultural nationalism. That is people not wanting to have their cultures um, watered down or diluted by immigration. That's one thing. And uh, the other one would be uh, Christian heritage. For example, um, say, for, for example, with uh, Muslim immigration into Poland, you know, strongly Catholic country, they might decide, 
No, our Christian heritage is, is more important. So the cultural nationalism and the Christian heritage might go together. and To do away with religious liberty. Yeah, well, the end, that, that may be the end point. That, yeah, might, that might not be the starting point. Sure. It, might even, it might not even be particularly the idea of um, the people who are pushing this. Mm-hmm. But that's where it can end up. Mm-hmm. And that's what, um, that's what history tells us, that you have to be really careful about preserving the rights of minorities if you want to have not only human flourishing, but you want to have a democracy that people want to actually live in. Mm-hmm. And, and you know that's such a uh, an important point when you talk about you know having a democracy um, that uh, where people actually want to live. Let's let's talk about Poland for a moment. So Poland, you've got a country here is ninety percent Roman Catholic. Um, recently enacted Sunday laws. Uh, are these these Sunday laws obviously you know um, are uh, you would see as a reaction to protect Polish culture. Are these secular laws or religious laws? Both. Is there a problem with that? Um, There is, I think, because um, historically um, Poland's um, had uh, a very strong Catholic influence in the country. And to give you an example, I I might just um, provide some facts here in relationship to what's happening in um, Poland itself. For example, oh, I find it fascinating that you know you go from a uh, a liberal democracy to an illiberal democracy, and the first thing that you have coming out are laws that are you know heavily religiously mo- motivated. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's just pick up some of the some of the facts, and then we can perhaps work through them. On November twenty four, two thousand seventeen, the Polish lower house passed a bill to gradually phase out most Sunday shopping by two thousand and twenty. The bill took effect on Sunday, March the 11th in 2018, limiting Sunday shopping to the first and last Sundays of the month during the remainder of 2018. The rub is that non-compliance can lead to hefty fines, even prison. So if you open your business Mm -hmm. against the the laws, it can lead to hefty fines or even prison. That's pretty heavy stuff. That is. The The prison stuff is. Yeah. Now, while the majority favoured keeping the shops open, um, the legislation was backed by Poland's Catholic bishops and the influential Solidarity uh, Trade Union. Now, Archbishop Stanislaw Gadecki, who supported the ban during the initial public controversy over the proposal, told Polish radio, and I'm quoting, free Sundays are what all Catholics, non-Catholics and non-believers need. So is that religious or secular? Yeah, so it's very, very clearly religious. It's clearly religious. And and it's a religious person telling me what I need. Yes. You know, now as a Seventh-day Adventist and I worship on Saturday, then that places me in a situation where I've got a Roman Catholic telling me, you need Sunday. Well, actually, I don't. I need Saturday free, you know. Well, well, it's interesting. I mean, you you can push that as this is good for society, you know. Families need need time together. Good for society, good for the environment. Workers need rights. They need rest. They Mm -hmm. need time with their families. There's a need for community organisations to operate. They need need time to do that. Um, Recreation, all of this can be pushed as this is good for society. So let's have a look at what the Christian Broadcasting Network in the United States said about it. And I'm quoting. In the Old Testament, the Bible teaches that Sunday is a day of rest since God rested on the seventh day 
after creating the world. Sunday, the first day of the week, became the Catholic seventh day and a day of resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead on Sunday. Now this is from the Christian Broadcasting Network News and the news item was called Returning to the Bible, Poland Reclaims Sunday as a Day of Rest. So they saw it in explicitly religious terms. Mm-hmm. So even though it may have secular components to it, I think essentially it was mostly about um, Christian heritage in Poland. And this is linked with the cultural nationalism. Those two things go together. So what ostensibly is a good thing on the surface to have a day of rest for people can also suddenly become a nightmare for minorities, religious minorities, for example. Even atheists, people of no belief, um, how are they going to flourish in that sort of society? Sure, yeah, and uh, I find it interesting because uh, our producer Marta was um, in Poland earlier in the year, and uh, yeah, she was telling us about how you, you go out on Sundays, like, yeah, I'll go and do such. Oh, no, I can't do that. <laughs> Everything's closed, <laughs> um, which uh, certainly take a, a, a bit of getting used to. Okay, so is this then partly a, re- a reaction to, okay, so you've got you know a lot of Islamic immigration, um, people th- feel threatened by that, and they feel threatened, you know, by that, Right across the world, yes. here in Australia, people feel threatened by that, like we're going to lose our Australian culture, we're going to lose our Australian identity. Is that then being used to bring about these laws that, while on the surface are secular, are in reality religious laws? Yes, I don't think anyone sets out to just break the laws down. Um, there's always got to be an overriding purpose to do that. And so what you see in this Polish legislation is something really interesting. It just reminds us that the arguments for Christian heritage may include social benefits. No one's denying that. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, because like I said, these are all good things. Everybody wants a day off, you know, once a week. How do you how do you vote against that? Yeah, but in an era when you have a declining commitment to democracy, and when democracies are under stress, particularly across the West and in Europe, um, any move to increase the influence of religion on the state, you've got to review it with sus- with suspicion. It's a potential assault on religious freedom. And so even though it might not be initially start out as a first-order issue, it can quickly morph into a first-order issue of religious liberty when you put cultural nationalism and Christian heritage together. And that's what's happening in, in Hungary and also in Poland. Well, that movement exists, I think, right across the West, which is a reaction to uh, Islamic immigration. Yes, and so what? Which, which is an interesting thought, Barry, when you think about you know the significance of nine eleven, and I don't think we realise just how much nine eleven changed our world. It did, indeed. You know that was that was one event, but look how you know for those of us that who that lived through that experience, look how radically that has changed our world over the last you know twenty years or so. So one of the things that's happening in the West is a radical flattening, um, so that all cultures are considered to be equal and no religion is considered to be better than any other religion. Now, what was you know, uh, a push against the Catholic Church in the 1790s has now morphed into a push against religion generally in the West. And so really what you're seeing are the ideas of cultural Marxism, the ideas that led to the, sort of, um, the Russian Revolution, are now entering our culture and pushing, so you've got these two different models, as we talked about in our first session. You've got these two different models. Is it going to be liberty over equality, or is it going to be equality over liberty? 
And so this is where we're having these issues around identity politics because what we'll see when we talk about identity politics is that identity has now become the defining issue for equality. So you can't have true equality unless your identity is approved and celebrated. And it has to be universal. You can't actually have your identity approved and celebrated unless it's a 100% celebration. Everyone's got to be in favour of it or at least shut up about it. In other words, don't, don't, don't tell me your beliefs. So, don't allow so your, then don't equality allow, is trumping freedom. Yes. So don't let, allow your beliefs to, to trump my identity. And so we see this issue um, of equality and freedom coming right down to the issue of identity. And we can trace that also back to Jean-Jacques Rousseau in the 18th century as well. Mm, fascinating stuff, uh, Dr. Barry Harker. Thank you so much for joining us once again. We are going to have to move on with this morning's program. We're going to be back again after uh, this song break and the uh, 8 o'clock news, but we haven't finished this series and we have more to come, so stay tuned. Yes, he does. Oh, yes, he does. Did you know that God loves you? Yes, he does. Oh, yes, he does. He would give his life for you. food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10 a.m. every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Forgiveness, it's easier said than done. 
but there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. 